welcome back to another episode of That's My Personal Business. We have an incredible jam-packed mini-sode. Not even mini. It's like 35 minutes long. Just bonus episode for you guys that I am ecstatic about. I learned so much during this call with Sarah. We have Sarah on the podcast today of Digital Grace Design. She is a website designer. Um, And oh my gosh, you guys, I learned so much during this call that I like had to pull up my website right after and revise and add things. And we've even gotten our site professionally done. She is such an expert in her craft. So I was so excited to have her on the podcast for you guys to bring her knowledge for you. And she knocked it out of the park even more so than I expected, which is saying a lot. So I cannot wait for you guys to dive into this. If you are looking to better your website, start working on your website, you haven't been prioritizing over social media, this will be an amazing episode for you. Like I said, we have had our website professionally done. I've had a website for years and yet this was so, so helpful. So let's go ahead and get started on that. But also in case you guys forgot or haven't heard, the photography bundle is closing in like 48 hours. So if you are looking to get thousands of dollars worth of education for literally over 50 or under over over 50% off. That is ending really, really soon. So the photography bundle is closing on Saturday the 9th. This includes our website guide. So if you get Sarah's templates or you want to implement the knowledge that you get during this podcast episode, it can be matched with our website guide as well as the thousands of dollars of education that is also already in there. So we will link that guy for you guys in the show notes. Let's go ahead and just get diving in though. I want you guys to hear from Sarah. She is amazing. So go check out her site, her education, all of the things after listening to this episode as well. And I cannot wait for you guys to learn about all the website things and start implementing it into your business. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Eden. I'm honored to be here. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Sarah and I met in our mastermind this last year and you're just like a genius. Every time I talk to you, I'm like, she really knows her shit. Like well, coming from you, I will take that as the highest compliment. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. No, everything that like comes out of your mouth, even like during the mastermind, I feel like every time you spoke, I was like, she's so intentional with what she says. And like everything you say is so helpful that I'm just like ecstatic to have you on the podcast and learn from you myself. And like, share your knowledge with everyone. So thanks for coming on. Well, I am thrilled to be here. So thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So for those who like, don't know you yet, can you give us a little bit of a, like an introduction on yourself? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm Sarah. I am the owner of Digital Grace Design, which is a show at website design company and now template shop also uh, for creative entrepreneurs, primarily in the wedding and photography space. Amazing. And Have you always been doing like this specific niche of like creative work or like what's kind of your story? How did this start? How did it evolve? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question and sort of an abnormal one though. I feel like in terms of the answer though, I feel like a lot of creatives wind up in their field in a sort of roundabout way. So I think perhaps you'll find commonality in that too. Um, But no, I was not always a website designer. I initially was a professional dancer for about 10 years. Um, And then as I was retiring from that, I thought about, okay, I'm going to get a stable nine to five job. Let me do that. So I did that. I got a corporate job where I was a training manager for a consumer goods company on the East Coast. And I would basically just travel into Florida every week, teaching people how to use like 
high-tech electronics and like kitchen gadgets and different things like that, um, which seemed fun at first. And then I realized that I was really like having to plan my life around my job because I was constantly on the road. I couldn't work out. I couldn't see my friends, you know, even grocery shopping was a task that just like never happened. Um, so I started thinking about, okay, this isn't working anymore. So if I were to create the perfect job, what would be important to me? Um, and I think, you know, because I had such a lack of freedom in planning my life, I thought about, okay, I want to create something that has freedom and flexibility in my schedule. Um, coming from a dance and creative background, I wanted to get back into a creative space. I wanted to create relationships with folks and get to kind of, you know, come alongside them in their businesses um, or in what's important to them. And so I started thinking about, okay, like, what can I do with all of that um, and website design kind of came from there. So basically like every day after my work shift, I like was in a different hotel every night staying by myself. So I'd go back and like teach myself website design. Um, and three months later, I quit my job and almost five years later, here we are. Um, so oh definitely not like a traditional path at all. Um, lots of learning along the way, lots of continuing to grow, but it's been a fun adventure for sure. I love that. And also I'm like, I can resonate so much with like the grocery shopping being a task. Like yeah. I did a training the other day and was like showing my old schedule back in like 2017 when I was dying. And there was literally like on the calendar, like blocked out an hour, like go grocery shopping. Like I had to put it in my calendar. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like how the little life things can like easily fall through the crack when your life revolves around your job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it can be really easy to fall into that space as a creative too, when we get sucked into like the hustle culture of everything. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, being intentional around those things, I think putting it on the schedule is never a bad thing. Yes. I know, I'm like, it worked for me at the time, but I'm like, wow, we should have, we should have maybe taken a step back there and looked at what was making it that chaos. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so what made you settle on websites, like in the creative realm? Like what drew you to them? Um, it's a good question. I initially like went to college for marketing way back in okay. the day. Um, so I think I was always interested in sort of the psychology and the strategy behind why people buy the things that they do and why people make the choices as consumers that they do. Like my, my favorite classes in college were always like consumer behavior and market research and all of those kind of more analytical things. And so I kind of liked with website design, it's really a solid blend between the creative, but also the strategic analytical thing, because, mm. you know, we can really watch how people use our websites and make adjustments and changes and choices that are directly informed by their actions to then make them more likely to inquire or buy our products. Ooh, I love that. Okay. So I would love to start out by like talking maybe about like why websites are so important because I, even like with people I mentor who are maybe in the beginning of their career, they almost put the website on the back burner and they're like, well, there's social media and there's Instagram and there's TikTok. And my website has been so huge in driving my business forward, but I would love to hear from you who knows way more about websites than I ever will, like why they're important and should be prioritized, you know, even though we have so many other marketing tools at our disposal. 
Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that especially with social media being such the presence that it is these days, it is a common question, especially with folks that are in businesses that are so visually focused. You can just have an Instagram feed of gorgeous photos and you say, oh gosh, okay, like, yeah, I, I want to hire this person. But I think that in some ways, a website is almost what makes your business real or legitimate because yes, people are going to be shopping your Instagram as it were, but then once they want to go and hire you and they want to learn more about you and your prices and your offerings, they're going to go to your website. So I think a website really makes your business legitimate. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. Okay. Yes. There's backend stuff like becoming an LLC or whatever you've Mm -hmm. chosen to do. But I think that from the outside, it's really important. Um, And I think that ideally our website should serve as like the perfect reflection of what the experience working with us will be like before folks get to meet us. Um, I think too, like we spend so much time really honing our client experience because it's so super important to really treat our clients with the, the grace and thought that they deserve. But if they don't get to that point of being your client, it kind of doesn't matter. Um, So you need to create that same thoughtful experience through your website and thoughtfully guide people from your homepage to your services page, to your contact page, et cetera, um, and really live into that experience that you're so committed to across all of your client touch points, which includes your website. Love that. I think too, like one of the things I always tell people is I'm like, this really should be like the home base for your business. Like it's where every other social media should basically be routed to. And I think something that's also so important is like, it's really the only thing we can own as far Mm -hmm. as like marketing goes, because like Instagram can go any day. Like we saw that with the algorithm, like people Mm -hmm. who that was their primary marketing tool, which honestly it was kind of mine before the algorithm hit. And when the algorithm hit and like tanked our like everything, I was like, Ooh, this could be taken at any moment. So I need to have things in place that I actually own and control. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even with that, it's so often important too to think about having some kind of an opt-in or something on your, on your website so that you can grow your email list as well, Mm -hmm. because, you know, doing all of your, your Instagram posts, your Facebook posts are great. But again, if the algorithm goes down and you need to reach folks that are in your audience, you need a way to contact them. And your email list is really like one of the few things too that you own on top of that. Um, So don't forget that. I know sometimes, especially with clients in the wedding business, they're like, yeah, but like my clients are cyclical. I don't necessarily need Mm -hmm. that, but I think it can still be helpful. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's like such a powerful tool too, that like there's so many ways to keep people I don't know. I just feel like your website too is like a way for them to experience all the different aspects of your business. It's like your work, what the experience is like, who you are as a person. Like you can really communicate a lot of aspects through your business, through the website. So for creatives who maybe like haven't put up their website or haven't put a lot of work into it or looking at it being like, oh, this clearly needs work. Like this is the bare minimum. Where do you kind of suggest that people start in building like a professional front for their business? Yeah, I think that there's a couple of different things. I think that one, you need to think about your business as a whole and the holistic picture of what it is that you do. Why are you in business? 
why do your clients hire you and really get to the core of that? Because I think that you should, I find as a designer that you should always write your copy before you create your website. Um, I think that a lot of times when we start just trying to fill in blanks of like an open design, our, our messaging and our flow is not always as intentional as it could be. So if you think about the story can, that you want to tell that. people um, first, I think that that will always be the most impactful place to start. Yeah. I'm like, I can vouch for that a hundred percent. Cause I got my website designed before doing my copyright. And then we got our copyright professionally done last year and had to like by hand personally, me and my assistant, like redesign basically the entire website to fit the copy. And I feel like it was such a wake up call of like, Oh, there's like a very distinct order to which this should have been done. And I didn't do it. <laughs> well, and I think that's sort of a personal preference. You'll talk to other designers that'll say like, no, I want to design it first. And cool. Like if you have a strategy behind that and that's something that's part of your process, I am never going to poo-poo that. However, for me, I just think that it's a more strategic flow to go the other way. Um, and I think sometimes that can feel slightly overwhelming as a creative who's creating their website to think, okay, but like, can you like give me building blocks of things that I should put in? And yes, I can definitely give you suggestions around things you for sure want to include in your messaging, but it's just going to make more sense for the user if, you know, we build strategically around that message. I love that. Um, okay. So what would you say? Cause I'm sure I know like as a photographer, when I look at like other photographers work or I'm doing coaching for a photographer, I can see like very consistent and repeated quote unquote mistakes that people make within their portfolio or marketing or whatever. What are some of like the top mistakes that you see people make with their website and how can people try to avoid those? Yeah, totally. It's a great question. Um, and I, I feel like we could probably have a whole question around like, yes. what have you, or a whole conversation around what have you seen versus what I've seen? Because mm -hmm you know, when you've seen a lot of the same types of genres of websites, it's interesting to just see those through lines. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the first things that I think is really, really important um, and can sometimes even be a make or break in your SEO is on your homepage, either having a splash page, which is just like a gorgeous image that says like, enter the site or having little to no text on your homepage. Um, I see this quite frequently in folks' websites that are in creative fields because your work really does sell what you have to do, but the folks that are coming to your website want to know that they're in the right place and that they've found someone that can really help them with the pain point or problem that they're looking to solve. Like they want a photographer for their wedding because they want to make sure that you know, all of those intimate moments and memories are captured and so that they can pass down that legacy for generations to come. Like they need to know where you're located. They need to know what, what you do, what you offer, all of those seemingly simple things, but often aren't there. Um, so making sure that you have enough text on your website, both for the user, but also for SEO, because Google is sort of a robot and they review our site very differently than we as humans do. They can't see pictures in the same way. So if they are trying to figure out what it is that Eden does, they're gonna rely on that text to understand all of those same things. That so that's sense. definitely one thing. 
Yeah, yeah. no, I think that's like a great one. Um, are there any other things that you like see people do often? Yes, um, definitely making sure that your location is on your website. This is a no brainer, mm. but like so many people, when I audit their site, their location isn't there. Um, you're going to want to have it towards the top of your webpage for sure above the fold, which is like before you start scrolling if possible. And then also put it in your footer just so that it's on every single page, no matter what. Um, you never want people to be like, cool, I, I think I'm in the right place. I'm not really mm. sure. So making sure that's there, um, making sure that your email is listed somewhere on your website. I know that sometimes we might think, okay, I don't want to put my email on my website because I don't want spam or I really want folks to go through my traditional, you know, CRM flow. But what happens if I just have an initial question and I'm not mm -hmm. ready to be put through that process? How do I get in contact for, with you? Or, you know, what if you wanted me to speak at your event or be on your podcast, but I'm not really like an inquiry. So yeah. should I still fill out your, your CRM process? So I think really making it easy for folks to get in contact with you. That is another thing I can hundred percent vouch for as someone who has a podcast is getting guests on the podcast. Like there have been certain people where like I have scoured all of their platforms for like 20 to 30 minutes to just find a way to email them because I'm like, I don't have a customer service question or like, I'm not trying to yes. book you for a wedding. And it's so frustrating. And like, there are people I've like legitimately not reached out to just because I'm like, well, I can't find a way to contact you. Like I yeah. literally don't know how to just email you. Um, and I think the location thing is so helpful too. I'm like, redoing my photography website right now. And I'm like, Ooh, I forgot to add that. So I'm like, that's so helpful for me to remember, like just this information that we almost assume is like basic knowledge for other people without realizing that it's like, no one knows our business. Like we do. And we can't assume that they just know these things. Like we need to actually tell them. Yes. And I think too, like sometimes if we're not sure if our website makes sense or if the flow, you know, guides people through give it to someone that doesn't know your business very well at all, or like mm. give it to grandma and see if she can make it through your website. Um, because we think that user experience makes sense. We think that folks should know where to go next, but if we don't tell them, they might not, mm. um, which I think is such a key thing and why I think it's so important as well to always end your page with a call to action, which is basically telling folks where they should go next. And ideally, if we're thinking about the user experience of our website for a normal service-based business, it's ideal if we can get folks from home to contact in like two to three clicks max. Mm. We don't necessarily want folks kind of jumping all around because then they kind of get lost. Mm -hmm. um, so your homepage, you can definitely have multiple calls to action because you're kind of welcoming folks into your space and saying, okay, do you want to learn more about me? Do you want to learn more about my products versus my services. You're sort of the director of ceremonies at that point. But once folks get to like your services page, the only call to action should really be to your contact page. Um, and likewise for galleries, like if they've made it that far and they like your work, where should they go next to contact you? Mm -hmm. um, so really thinking intentionally about those things and not giving folks too many options um, where then they're like, well, this was nice. Like I'll go look somewhere else. Um, so making that super clear. I think that's an amazing thing to keep in mind too, of just like making sure that the contact page is always like 
where it's headed. Like that is where we want them to end up. (laughs) Yeah. And with that contact page, I know it's sometimes helpful for us as service providers to ask a million questions to make sure that we're the right fit. Mm -hmm. But as a consumer, that's often kind of overwhelming. And sometimes they don't have all of that information yet. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'd almost recommend like more likely keeping your contact form short and sweet than like asking like, what's your vision for all the things? Because Mm. they might not be there yet. And you don't want to give them any questions that give them pause as to, oh, am I ready to inquire with this person? Um, Just ask those key details that you actually need. Like when is your wedding date? If you're a wedding photographer, because you need to know if you're free or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But like getting too into the nitty gritty can sometimes be overwhelming. That's a great point. And I think something I see photographers do all the time where I'm like, you definitely can ask like questions that are helpful and like, make sure that you're a good fit. But if you're asking them to fill out a form for like 30 minutes, that's really intimidating. Like that's really intimidating. And like, yes, people will fill it out that like, no, they're going to hire you. But like, there are a lot of people that do inquire with a few photographers. And so like Mm -hmm. not you know, making them, like you said, answer questions that they don't even have the answers to yet. Because as soon as your consumer gets like confused, it's done. Like as soon as they get overwhelmed or confused, it's already done. And if they feel like that in the inquiry process, they're not going to feel good about like going even further than that. Yeah, totally. And I think one quick thing too, if you are embedding a CRM form, if you make adjustments to your CRM contact form, Generally, when you publish it in your CRM, it will auto update on your website, which is awesome. But if you're on a website platform that you need to make the contact canvas longer to accommodate the form, let's say like show it, always go and look at how it looks on your website because sometimes the forms get longer and then the submit button gets hidden by your footer, especially Mm. on mobile. And I've seen this happen more than I would like to admit. And if folks can't press the submit button, they can't reach out. Yeah. Um, And then if you don't have your email there, it's extra done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like it's just the craziest thing and it's the simplest thing. Um, So just go double check that, especially on mobile. Sometimes it just gets too long and the submit button disappears. So that is genius. Cause yes, I like, I can't, I'm like, I'm also embarrassed at how many times people have like messaged me because mobile's hard. I think mobile's yeah. hard for like everyone Everybody. to figure out themselves. And I have had people reach out to me where they're like, Hey, heads up. Um, the mobile version has this or this kind of happening. And I'm like, that is so embarrassing. <laughs> like, let me yeah. go fix that right now. Well, and some platforms allow you to set up the mobile version and some don't. So if your platform does give you freedom or flexibility to go and look at that, anytime you make a change on your website, double check the mobile just in case, especially if you're one of those folks that at the beginning of this, we're like, I have social media. I don't need a website. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if they're coming to your website from social media, make sure the mobile version looks good. <laughs> yes. Divine. Well, and that's the thing too, is like mobile, I would almost argue probably gets viewed more at this point, just because yeah. we're all on our phones 24 seven. I'm like trying to think of, I feel like maybe a couple times a month, do I pull up websites on my computer to go shopping? It's usually on my phone. Cause that's just the device I'm on. 
Yeah, it's an interesting thing. And there have been some studies that I've looked at that have said that folks tend to shop and to look on their phones, but -hmm. when they're ready to make a purchase, they oftentimes more likely will do it on the desktop. So you want to make sure that both look good and are functioning um, because you never know. And then when folks are ready to give you money, don't don't give them the opportunity to skip away. Yes. Would you say then that like mobile is maybe like more likely to be your first impression tool when it comes to your website? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And while I don't know like the official stats on that offhand, like I would say yes. Um, And that first impression is so important. I think there's a stat that something like if your user experience isn't good on your website, 89% of folks are more likely to go shop from when of your competitors than they are to like take the time to keep staying on your website, which is crazy. That like huge. if people can't navigate it, 89% of them will go elsewhere. Like nine, yeah, ah, I'm like ah. 89 is a lot. And like that's something too that um my dad is a graphic designer. And so like oh, that totally. was one thing that even like before I was in this industry, like shopping from small businesses that like their branding was clearly like not intentional and their website looked like it was just thrown together. Even before I was like a creative myself, I was like offended by that just because I was like, how can you expect me to like invest a lot of money in you when you're not even investing it in yourself clearly? Yeah. And like with that too, I think it's something like 80% of the credibility or perceived credibility of your website comes from the design and its aesthetics. Mm. So like if you're the type of person, I hear this so much in like inquiry calls of like, I knew it was time to redo my website because I was embarrassed to give my URL to someone. Yep. I hear that all the time. So if that's, you know, that you're so not alone, but like also remember that 80% of your website's credibility comes from the way that it looks. That is very interesting. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to definitely go look at my mobile site after this call, because I'm like, I definitely didn't, there's not as much thought behind that as there is the desktop version. And if that's my first impression tool, I want to make sure that that is like as finessed as possible. Yeah. Well, and thinking too, like, I I feel like sometimes we look around at folks that do essentially the same thing as us. And we're like, man, they seem so busy. Like Mm -hmm. what, like, I, I know I'm at least as good as them at X, Y, Z thing that they do. Like, what can I do? And sometimes it may be as simple as updating your website. Clearly not always. There are so many variables that come into play with that. Um, but like, it really does matter even yeah, if you're no, not sure it does. That's incredible. Like advice and insight. Cause yeah, I'm like, it's incredibly important. Um, okay. So there's obviously like so many aspects of mm-hmm. having a professional and like well-flowing website. What advice do you kind of have, or like, what would you recommend for creatives so that they almost like don't get overwhelmed when starting to take on their website? Cause I know like, even when we, like I said, we got our copyright done last year and I was like, I know we're going to have to tweak design on the website. And then I got my branding video and photo done. And it was so overwhelming even to just update those things, let alone like kind of start from the beginning. So do you have advice on like maybe tips that would help people not get overwhelmed when they're starting projects like this? Yeah, I think, First things first is like word vomit, everything you need to share out there. Think about what your in-person client consultations are typically like, and think about the kinds of information that you're giving folks in those meetings 
and the most commonly asked questions that you get at those meetings. I'm sure 90% of your questions are often the same. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can get all of those out on paper and ready for you to put on your website, um, I think that that will be super helpful. And I think um, maybe even like if you do your, your consultation calls on Zoom, record it if you don't always do it, because then you can go back through and review, okay, like what did we talk about? What were the questions? Um, and you can almost replicate that on your website. Um, mm. Because a lot of times the information that we're sharing on our website is going to be practically the same as what we talk about in person, but folks just want to be able to have that conversation, hear it from you and talk through it to get the peace of mind. Um, so really thinking about, okay, like what are the FAQs that they need to know? What are the, the benefits or the successes that folks will experience when they work with me? What do let's say all of my packages include? I know sometimes we don't like to put all of our packages mm. on our website, but like there's often common denominator things that all of them include, like all of them include a second shooter or all mm. of them include, you know, X, Y, Z things, maybe let people know that off the board. Um, I think while pricing is sometimes a taboo thing around like, do I put it, do I not? I really recommend putting at least starting prices on your website just to value your time and getting those inquiries that are maybe not the right fit but mm -hmm. also value the time of folks that may be reaching out to you. Um, so really thinking through like, okay, what are all of the things that folks need to know in order to say yes to what I'm doing? Um, throw that all down on paper and then start to organize it. That makes sense. Yeah. And I'm like, there's so much, like you said, that like goes into that. And so I think like taking note when you're walking through a process with like a client can be so helpful to like, remember all of the information that you need to give someone, because it can be overwhelming that like, there's so much that goes into a website and that you're going to need to like put out there for your prospective clients. Yeah. And I think just like any goal, if you can like write down all of the things that you need to gather um, or all of the major to do's, like, you know, when you're going to do a website, you need photos of you and your team. Do you have them? Jot that down. Mm -hmm. You need photos from like your favorite, favorite, best weddings or favorite, favorite, best family sessions or something like that. So grab your favorite best ofs grab galleries of photos that you want to do more of. You never want to show, you know, an abundance of galleries that are like, oh yeah, technically I shot this, but I don't really want to do more of them. You want to have copy for all of your pages. You need testimonials, any kind of features or publications that you've been in and really just jot down what all of those to-dos are. And then you can kind of just assign one small thing to each day. Um, when we take these huge tasks, it's just so much easier when we can make it a bite-sized thing. So maybe today you're just gathering photos. Tomorrow you're just gathering testimonials. The next day you're just writing copy for your homepage. Do one page at a time um, just to keep the momentum going. And then, you know, slowly but surely all of the puzzle pieces get gathered. Amazing. Oh my gosh. This was so much helpful information. I'm like, even though my website's done, I'm like, I need to like listen back to this and go look at my website again and like tweak all of these things. Because like, I feel like websites are almost like a living, breathing organism. And the fact that like, they're constantly kind of shifting at least a little. Yeah. And I think that 
websites ideally are an investment that you're going to keep ideally, hopefully up and running for a couple of years. That said, you will adjust, you will change your prices, you will change your packages. Like maybe you'll figure out a flow of your website that just makes more sense. Um, But if you do it strategically, it should stand the test of time for you. Um, And when you're thinking about the investment of a website, it can feel overwhelming too, because they sound kind of expensive and I'm not going to say that they're not, but if having this new website that makes you look more credible and more trusted and more professional and more polished helps you to book even just two more clients, your website is paid for. Um, and so, yeah, it's crazy. Like spending money on our business and investing in our business is scary. But if we're not willing to do it, sometimes it's hard to to really convince potential clients to spend money on what we do. Um, Absolutely. Which, you know, is always a hard conversation. But mm-hmm. no, I think that's such like an important thing that like if we expect people to invest like thousands of dollars into us, like we have to be doing willing to do the same. Like if you're not even willing to invest in your own business, like how can you expect other people to do it? You yeah. like you're not even backing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think the same could be said for like when you hire a business coach or if you take Mm -hmm. brand photos or any of those things, Mm -hmm. like they can make a measurable difference, but you have to be willing um, to take that courageous jump, even if it feels scary. Yeah, I agree. And it's, I think that's, what's so cool about investments like this is that like they are investments, like they come back. And I think websites are like one of the most obvious tangible ways to see it come back because it's incredible. Like when you get your website professionally done and taken care of, like to see the influx of inquiries or business or whatever, like that's something you can very tangibly note the ROI on, which is super cool and exciting. Yeah. It's sometimes really interesting just to look back for folks that are tracking analytics and see like, okay, before and after I was getting Mm -hmm this many visits or people were making it to the contact page this many more times, um, or I've gotten this many more inquiries. And it's such an easily measured thing, which in a a creative space, we don't get many opportunities to have such clear measurables out of things that we do. Um, So it's kind of a fun thing to have that analytical aspect of things too. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. Well, this was all so incredibly helpful, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing like so much knowledge with us. Um, can you tell us where everyone can find you? Like on the interwebs, where can they learn from you? Where can they hire you? All of that good stuff. Yes, absolutely. Um, pretty much you can find me anywhere with Digital Grace Design. So my website is digitalgracedesign.com. Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest is also Digital Grace Design. And you can learn about my services on my website. I also have a show at SEO course on my website. And I recently launched our template shop. So if you are in the phase of your business where you would prefer to do your own website because you're richer in time than in money, I totally hear that. Um, You can find our templates on digitalgracedesign.com as well. Amazing. And also Sarah has been so kind that the listeners of that's my personal business can get 20% off, right? 20% off her templates with the code Eden, which I just love everything that you do, Sarah. So yeah, if you guys are like in a place where you are richer in time than money, like this is absolutely such a worthwhile investment. And I know the first several renditions of my website were off templates like that. And they were so, so helpful on getting a professional front up. So we will 
We will link everything for you guys in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on, Sarah. This was magical. Oh my gosh. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Eden. Thank you for being here and thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. 